As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This season, the world's biggest football podcast network is even bigger. Alongside our three weekly episodes of the Totally Football Shows and the two Totally Football League Shows, we've got three episodes of the all-new Athletic Football Podcast with Mark Chapman. Adam Hurry's Football Clichés will be with you on Mondays and Wednesdays. There'll be two lots of Michael Cox on our Tactics Podcast, and we've revamped our FPL and women's football shows too. Our Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea and Tottenham Club podcasts are now twice a week. And don't forget, we've also got our TIFO, Offside Rule and Football Manager shows too. Along the way, there are amazing new series with both Kelly Cates and Jackie Oatley, so keep your eye out for those. And you can listen to all of these podcasts across our network in all the usual places, or ad-free on The Athletic app. The Athletic, the world's biggest football podcast network. It's the Totally Football League show, Leagues 1 and 2 preview pod. We'll sort the contenders from the also ranks, tell you who's in for a season of success and who will be toiling for the next nine months, other than us. Chuck in a couple of gaffers, and that's this Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Welcome along, listener. Hopefully you've hit the subscribe button on this, your one-stop shop for everything EFL adjacent. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. Joining me to look ahead to the new campaigns in Leagues 1 and 2 are Erudite Adrian Clark. Hello. Super Sammy Parkin. Good morning, Matt. And also on board today, a warm welcome to a man who made almost 700 Football League appearances. If I list every club he played for in that time, we'll be here all day. So I'll simply say hello, JB McEnough. Good morning. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. All right, let's get previewing then. League One first. You're listening to the Totally Football League show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, as there always seems to be some big hitters in the third tier this season, eight of the 24 teams in League One this term have played in the Premier League before. Plenty of those will be hoping that this is their last season at this level. In terms of promotion, Paddy Power have Sunderland, Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday as the three favourites. And Clucky, I'm going to start actually with Sheffield Wednesday because I am baffled as to why they are favourites for a promotion. Is it purely on on reputation because they're an absolute mess off the pitch? Well, they've got a good manager. I think that's probably one of the primary reasons why why they're up there. Aside from the fact that they're a huge club at the level, 
yeah, Darren Moore knows his way around around the division, doesn't he? He's, he's a very good coach. He was missing for a lot of, of, of the back end of last season with COVID-related problems. And that, that I think, definitely impacted on, on their chances of survival. Yeah, it's a basket case of a club. Don't like the ownership at all. It could easily go pear-shaped, I, I guess, there over the course of this season. But, but even though they've shared a lot of players... They've still got a strong squad. Um, defensively, they look good. Dominic Iorfa's back, fit and available. And yeah, they've signed some OK players. Lewis Wings got, got a goal in him, hasn't he? The goalkeeper, Peacock Farrell, bit of pair degree there. So no, I think they'll be fine. I don't see them as top two material. I would have them probably competing for a playoff place and, and maybe just missing out. That's where I see them this season. But um, no, I, I, I wouldn't say they're out of the running. Joby, I guess in their favour, as Clarky says, they've still got some decent players. They've also been in League One fairly recently, so as a club, they know what it's about. But but on the other side, if you're an opposition player, manager, supporter, you're looking at when you're going to Hillsborough and ringing that fixture as, as one of your biggest of the season, which is going to mean that it's uh, it's going to be tricky for them at home, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you have a club as big as Sheffield Wednesday, and I think that's where probably the backing comes from, you know, you do look at it as an opposing player coming from respectfully some smaller clubs that don't particularly have maybe that same backing or, or get to play at a stadium as as good as Hillsborough certainly somewhere I always enjoyed going to play um, even when they're in the championship so I definitely feel that is a factor they're going to need to overcome you know teams will re- raise their game when they go in there and you know I think it's certainly something that from the start of the season that home form is going to be really really important they need to go there and make it a place that's horrible for opposing teams to come rather than a good day out and teams go in there and we know about the fans at Hillsborough. They can turn quickly, and I'm sure that's what a lot of the opposing teams will be going to do this season. And first home game of the season, Sam, just happens to be Doncaster Rovers. who will have plenty of motivation to get one over their old gaffer. They will do, and um, you know I'm I'm quite hopeful. I think they'll do well this year. Doncaster under Richie Wellens, obviously a club that he knows really well, so. He will get them motivated for that fixture in particular, but yeah, I, I can't understand why why Sheffield Wednesday are at the top of the the odds as well. I can't argue with anything that that Adrian said. Really, uh, they've brought in a striker that had a, a really fruitful spell at Hibernian, but has struggled in the last couple of years. He's kind of their their, their main striking option right now. Canberry, I think, is how you pronounce it. Um, so we'll have to wait and see if they do some more movement in that department because I think another striker will surely be top of Darren Moore's list. But I think in terms of recruitment, there's a couple of clubs that we're going to come on to that have gone for tried and tested players at this level with better records that are more likely to hit the ground running than the players that Sheffield Wednesday have brought in. So Sheffield had 5-2 to two to go up with Paddy Power. Sunderland, the favourites, at 9-4. to four. First season for them under... First full season, I should say, for them under new owner and man-child Kyril Louis-Dreyfus. <laughs> uh, it's this new data-driven model, Clarkie. It's worked for the likes of Brentford in the past. And, and they've made some good pickups actually. Alex Pritchard, probably the standout one. Corey Evans, too. Are they what, what the Black Cats need? Well, yeah. It, it's hard to know... What's going to happen with Sunderland? They weren't far away last year, even though they didn't have the structure behind the scenes. So that's that's a definite positive. Lee Johnson wasn't there, you know. Lee Johnson, I think, did did improve them a little bit, but they've lost they've lost Charlie White, and Charlie White is is a thirty goal a season striker. He was last year, so so he'll need replacing, won't he? Scoan, not so much. I think they can cover that, and maybe Dobson. His departure, Chris McGuire, I think, 
is it will be a bit of a loss. I think he's a he's a key man, good set piece taker, good cross through the ball. So look, they've I think they've sort of come out of this still slightly down. So I would expect them to to make some some signage before the end of the window flex their muscles but yeah the, the club's in a more stable place they should definitely be in the playoffs minimum but I wasn't convinced by them last season I watched the playoff I was there at the playoff semi-final Lincoln outplayed them in that first leg and tactically it just looked like they weren't sure what they were doing they were trying to be a bit too clever really so what I think Lee needs to try and bring in is a more stable approach tactically I want to see a more defined style of play from Sunderland because I'm not quite sure what what they were last year JB what did you make of the job that that Lee Johnson did when he came in midway through this season I've got to say I think it is one of the toughest jobs in the football league I think the expectation around Sunderland um, again their recent history their struggles in terms of obviously getting relegated and not being promoted I think it's a real pivotal season for everybody at that football club because it's very, very easy to get stuck at that level. And I think for Sunderland, having missed out on the playoffs last year, there's going to be a lot of pressure at the start of this season. And of course, for Lee Johnson as well, you know, he has a bit of a nickname within the football circle, I suppose, is a streaky, um, you know, and I think it's very, very important, again, that they get off to a decent start. Because I think if they don't, there's going to be so much pressure on him. And again, you know, we've spoken about losing Charlie White. I think Aidan McGeady staying is a, a massive... Um, massive bonus for them a real top player at that level we, we saw what he could do is fantastic in those playoff games and you know there's going to be a lot of burden on his shoulders this season again it's it's up and down as you say they should certainly be in those playoff places I think if they can start well and, and get a bit of momentum there's no reason why they they can't get in them automatic spots so McGeady and Pritchard will provide the the silk Sam have they got the steel to go with that um, yeah, I, I would say so. Um, they weren't always brilliant defensively. I think Corey Evans will prove to be a really good signing to maybe give them a little bit of steel assurance in the in the middle of the pitch. Um, going back to your, your statement, your question, Matt, it's who's going to put the finishing touch really on the creativity because with no Charlie White, they're probably going to return search for for Will Grigg to recapture what he's done so wonderfully well in League One earlier on in his career. Most recently made a difference at MK Dons and the other one's Ross Stewart who was paired with Charlie Wyke if you remember on a couple of occasions. I think when they maybe in that playoff game when they, they had a wonderful 45 minutes against Lincoln and those two played in tandem. Similar physique to, to Charlie Wyke an old-fashioned target man so maybe he's going to be the one that they go with but I'd be very surprised if if Lee Johnson isn't plotting a few more moves in the market because they do look a little bit light right now. But the plus side is that they have stability off the pitch. And I think when we're looking at all these teams that are going to be jostling in the top half, there's so many potential title winners, let alone promotion winners, that I think the stability off the pitch and with Lee Johnson, who's had a season under his belt now, can only be a positive thing for Sunderland. Well, one club who've been very active in the transfer market so far at Ipswich Town. Who better to tell us how the Tractor Boys pre-season is going than their boss, Paul Cook. Paul, last time we spoke, you were on the lookout for a new job. You've landed a plum one in Ipswich. Been a while now. You've had some time to get your feet under the table. How have you found it? Oh, what a good question. That is to start. I think there's been uh, so much change at the club over a very, very short period of time. including the ownership, the amount of players that have left the club, the new signs that have come in, 
obviously Mark Ashton coming in as CEO, uh, Andy Rhodes coming in as head of performance. Uh, so over a very, very short period of time, as you can imagine, there's been a hell of a lot of change. And the owners have really backed you, haven't they? Connor Chaplin, the, the tenth signing that they've made since since they've come in, that's got to be everything that, that a manager could ask for, isn't it? Yeah, I think what's important, I think, uh, and sometimes I think it may be a little bit lost on other people outside that, you know, when we come in last year, we had a squad of 43 players. You know, within that, we probably retained not many of them at all. We sold Andre Dezel for QPR. We've let Liam Gibbs go to Norwich all for good money. You know, we probably brought close to £2 million in. So the brutal reality is a lot of our spending has been funded and a lot of players left the club that have been replaced with new players on wage bills. But I don't I think because of the fact that there isn't a lot of spending anywhere else in English football, any club like ours that is spending is deemed to be a big spender. The reality is we're only probably replacing what we've lost with new players, albeit in Connor Chaplin, Rakeem Arthur, you know, obviously one or two of the lads we've signed. We do have signed good players, what we feel can, can benefit the club. There's no doubt, Paul, that you've replaced them with, with top quality players. I'm interested to know how early you put your list together. Did you have a list of, uh, of players in your head the moment you walked through the door? Or was this something that you looked at the moment the season ended? Um, because you, didn't, you haven't messed around. You've got straight in there and signed some, some really good talent. Yeah, I, th- I think obviously uh, our new owners have come in. Um, and you know uh, game changer and, 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 and they've been fantastic I've got to say that they're so supportive of Mark and myself there's regular Zoom meetings to them uh, they're very very hands on with their approach to Ipswich Town Football Club and obviously in the time that ended last season you know I was disappointed that I couldn't get more out of the team you know Gary Roberts who come down with me and I just felt that there was a there was something that had had become apparent within the club, within the dressing room, that needed to change. Within that, when you make so many changes, you're always conscious that you'll get one or two wrong. Without a shadow of doubt, we'll have let one or two players go that will go on and still have good careers. But there was a rut set in at Ipswich Town that isn't, isn't good at big clubs. It just wasn't correct. The feel wasn't right. So, you know, ripping it up and changing it was important. Obviously, as we sold players along the way, which has helped us finance bringing other players in, because I think our owners are very much about progressing and progressing the club going forward for the future. And I think within that, we've now signed some players that I hope and I feel can go on the pitch at Portman Road and do this club justice on the pitch. Is it is it difficult integrating that many players at once? Or, or because you've got pre-season to do it, is it actually a bit easier when you're relatively new to the club that, that you can get these new guys tuned into your ideas quickly? But you believe it or not, I don't think we've finished bringing players in. I've got to tell you that. We have actually feel that there is probably another four, five or six to come in. You know, we are, believe it or not, short on numbers. You know, and that integration is going to be huge to our success without a shadow of a doubt. You know, how quickly can we get, you know, for example, George Edmondson hasn't trained yet since he was signed from uh, Glasgow Rangers last week. He won't make Saturday. So he hasn't played in the team. You know, Scott Fraser's had a calf problem here. So we've actually got lads going out to train and play at the minute that have never played with each other before. So that integration is going to be huge. And I think it's great for other clubs in the division because there's so many people who hand medals out and trophies in August, isn't there? I know quite well there's nothing won in August, September and October. It's a long, tough slog in every division. 
And to gain success, you've got to gel as quickly as you can and you've got to win football games. And I think there's a lot of good teams in League One, so we'll certainly concentrate on getting ourselves up and running as quickly as we can. I think it's the strongest League One I can remember for many years, Paul. Um, even though the bookies have you right up there, I, I think there are eight, eight to ten sides that, that will be looking at the automatics, no doubt about that. Um, styles, what, what, what sort of, would it be a change for, for the Ipswich fans that have sort of had to watch the games online during your tenure so far? They're going to be back inside Portman Road. Are there going to be any distinct changes to the way that you go about your business um, tactically, stylistically this season? I think it's important now, I've got to say, um, I do feel that we're seeing the benefits of St George's, not just on the pitch for England's national team. I really feel we're seeing it in the benefit that the coaching that's brought to all aspects of league football is seeing. You know, there's no duck eggs anymore in divisions. You know, teams are very, very well coached. They're all very well set up. You know, but in my world, it comes down to players on the pitch. You know, I genuinely don't believe formations win your football matches. I think players do. So we're going to play majority of the time 4-2-3-1. It's a formation I've always used. I think in a modern day game, your 10 can be used to play anywhere you want on a pitch. He can be a second striker, he can be a third midfielder, depending on the opposition. We know how difficult League One's going to be. You know, you've got teams that have come down from the Championship in Rotherham and Wickham, both with excellent managers who are very good at the jobs and whose teams are very, very well drilled. You then go into the Portsmouths, the Sunderlands, the Sheffield Wednesdays. The, there's, there's so many. You know, I think it's been an easy tag for Ipswich all of a sudden to just become favourites. I think we're favourites without substance. I don't see us as favourites. If I be truthful, I see us with one of the teams that everyone will want to beat. Like it always for big clubs. And something we've got to aspire to make sure we, you know, we stop. Paul, we always save the uh, the most difficult, the most serious question for last. So brace yourself. Here it is. Uh, what's your favourite Ed Sheeran song? <laughs> well, I can guarantee my daughter's got me singing Ed Sheeran songs every day now. So I can't dare say I'm not an Ed Sheeran fan when I obviously am now. Um, I think what Ed's done for our football club is amazing. I've got to say that. I think I think for all clubs, all clubs seem to have famous supporters, don't they, if you like it. I think it's really good because it's great to see them down at whatever the stadium is with the shirt on, the scarf on, supporting the team because it just shows everyone out there we are all human. You know, we all have jobs. We all have, you know, things that we love outside our jobs and, I think Ed's joined in with a lot of sponsorship now. It'll be great to see him down at Portman Road and hopefully we can make Ed as happy as he makes a lot of people in Ipswich. Well, here's hoping that your team don't pick up any bad habits this season. Um, Paul, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us and uh, we hope to speak to you again throughout the season. Best of luck. Great to speak to you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Paul Cook, Ipswich manager and Ed Sheeran fan there. Uh, away from the three teams we've mentioned, let's have a look at some of the other contenders. Joby, anybody else in League One you're expecting to be to be there or thereabouts? We've got Wickham and Rotherham who've come down. Lincoln beaten playoff finalists like of Pompey and Charlton too will be, be in the mix you'd expect. Oh, absolutely. All those teams mentioned, I think it's, it's absolutely stacked League One this season. Um, you know, big, big clubs. Portsmouth, as you mentioned, I think under the Cowleys having a pre-season to work and, and get their ideas and philosophies across is going to be very, very important. I'd certainly expect them to to go really well this season. Again, another club with massive expectation on them as well. Um, for me, Rotherham have to be in the mix. You know, I've actually probably pick them for an automatic spot. I think, um, you know, Paul Warren's done fantastic there previously in League One. 
again, they just didn't quite have the quality um, to stay up in the championship, unfortunately for them. But I certainly see them as a better team than they were the last time they went up with the additions they've had over that time. So I certainly see them and, and Wickham as well. I think signing Sam Vokes up top, um, of course, to give them a pivotal striker, which we know Gareth Ainsworth likes to play with. I think it's a really good signing for them at that level. And again, I'd really expect them to go well. So, you know, good experience in this league and, and that certainly counts for a lot. And managers that, again, have been there, done that. They've got the stability. And I fancy those two teams certainly to be in the mix for automatic promotion. Difference in the demeanour, wasn't there, Clarkie, between Rotherham and Wickham at the end of last season? Wickham, it, it was almost party time. Well, we gave it our best shot and we nearly did it. Whereas those scenes at Cardiff on the last day with Rotherham and, and Paul Warren, absolutely crestfallen. Important you get that out of the system ASAP, I guess. Oh, they were gutted, weren't they? Absolutely choked. They felt like the world was against them. I know that Paul Warren did towards the end of last season. Look, I can't disagree with anything Joby said. That They've got to be in the mix. The one negative, I suppose, is they've lost Matt Crooks who was a big player for them, and they haven't been that proactive in the market yet. But is that a bad thing? And 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 I suppose on Warren himself, he put so much into it. I mean, Joby will know how, to, how exhausting management is. I don't know. I mean, you're looking pretty well on it, Joby, I've got to say. But but it can be a stressful business, can't it? And, and Warren seems to me like someone who really lives and breathes it. Has he got the energy to sort of go again. I suppose that's that, that, that's one element to consider. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It is very, very demanding physically and mentally. Luckily enough, I, I got out after a few months, so I didn't get too many more grey hairs. I've got a few, but not too bad. He's bald, so I'm, I'm ahead of him on that count. Um, but no, I think um, certainly, as you say, that energy and I think the off-season would be massive to recharge, refocus, re-energise, you know, and, and have a a real determination to to get promoted. And I think the fact that they've done it before, and especially under him, will give him that real motivation to, to go in and drive that group of players. And after a disappointment, you use it. You use it to drive you on. And I certainly think that's what we'll be doing in the, in the Rotherham camp this pre-season. Uh, Sam, I know that you quite like the look of Charlton and Lincoln. What is it about both those sides that you think gives them a, a fighting chance of going up this time? Charlton, again, I think just... The stability of having the same manager in charge, a period to have a look at where he needed to improve. And I think if you look at the recruitment, you could probably suggest, argue that there's five players out that could go straight into the first 11. Um, I think defensively to get Innes and Famewo, uh, the Norwich Loney reunited after a brilliant spell, if you remember, under Lee Bowie, the start of last season where they were so difficult to score against, let alone to, uh, to beat. So... I think he's got that right. And I think to get the signature of Jaden Stockley, I know how much they were desperate to get him over the line, understand that he was possibly offered better salary elsewhere, but he was desperate to come to Charlton and play for for a club where he fitted in brilliantly at the back end of last season. So, and of course, Nigel Adkins is the, the, the biggest ingredient in all of this with um, his track record, uh, I suppose, and his positivity, his attention to detail, I really fancy them to go well this year. I think they've they've made some really good signings and and Lincoln same lines really. Uh, Michael Appleton's played it down, hasn't he, for eighteen months now, whatever it's been, two years, saying that it's this year. You know, I need time to build. Uh, well, he's had that spell in charge now. Um, he's going to again have to work wonders in the transfer market. We've been used to in signing so many gems, particularly from Premier League clubs, and it looks like he's going to go down that route again. But um, having gone so close last year, 
I suppose this is probably now or, or never for, for Lincoln under Appleton because um, he will probably move on if they're not to be successful this season. Great to hear that he's back with the team, by the way, having been treated for testicular cancer over the summer. Uh, if we move on to the teams that have been promoted, according to Paddy Power, three of the four are the favourites to go straight back down again in terms of the relegation market. Morecambe 11-10, to 10, Cambridge 6-5, to 5, Cheltenham 6-4. to 4. I'm going to start though, Adrian, with Bolton because we talk about expectation on the likes of Sunderland and Sheffield Wednesday, but even though they had that brilliant run from 20th in League 2 to, to promotion, if you're a Bolton supporter... You're not looking at, at stabilising in League One this season, are you? You're looking at, can we get in the mix for, for playoffs at least? I think you'd be hoping for that, but not expecting it. I think that's probably a bit of a stretch. Bolton are still rebuilding, aren't they, as a club? They're not the the richest club in the division. They won't have the biggest budget. What they've got is a manager that's used to winning. Blimey, He's, he, he took Barrow up and then moved to Bolton. It didn't go well at the start. He regrouped and, and got them got them up, didn't he, Ian Everett? So they've got someone at the helm that's used to success, used to winning games. And uh, yeah, I, I think they can be solid. They weren't that convincing, were they? There's a lot of sort of narrow wins in, in League Two. They didn't blow your socks off with brilliance that often. So I, I, I personally see them as a top half side that, that might not have enough. Um, they probably need someone up there at the top end of the pitch to to help support Owen Doyle in terms of the goal the goal output. But yeah, no, they'll they'll go well. But yeah, I can't see them going up. Not not in this League One. This is this is the strongest League One I can remember. How about Cambridge, Sam? We were full of praise for for Mark Bonner last season as he as he took them up, but no Paul Mullin. That's a, a big issue for him to try and solve. Yeah, it's gonna be I think really difficult for for Cambridge this year. I, they're definitely going to be down there scrapping. It was a season in a lifetime, really, from from Paul Mullen. You look at his previous track record, no one would have expected him to produce the the amount of goals that he did. So a real signal. You know, I, I worked with um, Mark Bonner at the playoffs and um, he wasn't hopeful of keeping keeping Mullen. And he, he kind of said as uh, very similar to what I've just um, wheeled out there that he probably didn't anticipate him getting those goals. So I think him and Houlihan obviously had a, a great relationship, but I think Ironside in tandem with Mullen was a big reason for his success as well. I think he takes the knocks. I think that he does a lot of unselfish work. So he'll be important for them again this year. And they've made some good signings in Jones, Lloyd-Jones centre-half, James Brophy, who I know well from his time at Swindon and, and Orient, but I don't think it's going to be enough to pull them away from the basement where I would envisage them remaining for the duration of the season. I think they're the promoted side that's going to have the toughest time when you look at what Morecambe have done in the transfer market as well. On on Mullin, Joby, you can kind of look at his decision to drop down two divisions at the age of 26 and say, huh, is that a lack of ambition? But the other way to look at it is he's a lower league footballer who presumably has been offered a massive bump in salary it, it would not be financially responsible of him to say no to that, would it? You know, he's got a family to provide for. He, he, it's a short career. It's it's thoroughly understandable that you'd do it, even if you are dropping down a bit. Um, I've got to be honest. I was really surprised at that one. You know, I, I get the point. You know, the financial aspect certainly does come into it as you're getting a little bit older. I think 26, you're still a really good age. You've still got time to progress. And for me... He certainly was on that upward trajectory from a career point of view that he could have kicked on, you know, and I think, you know, his massive part of what Cambridge did, 
But yeah, to drop that far down, again, talking about it without knowing the exact financial details, we obviously have to take it as with a pinch of salt a little bit. But yeah, for me, I, I would have, if that was me personally, certainly would have, would have stayed at, at Cambridge or at least tried to maybe stay at that level and really try and kick on in my career. He was fantastic last year alongside Ironside and, you know, he's going to be a real big miss for them this year. How about you, Clarky? Would you would you have done what he's done or would you have backed <laughs> yourself to to have a good season in League One and then see where it takes you? Cash over ambition, eh? No, I, I'm with Joby on this. I think if he's 30, 31, take the cash while it's there on offer. But he's got the chance. I would have imagined that a top League One side, you know, Sunderland are on the lookout for a striker, aren't they, at the moment? They might come in for him. And, and I'm sure they could have paid what, what, what Wrexham are paying. So I think he went a little bit too early there. He has taken the easy money. It won't be easy money. <laughs> you know, played in all the leagues. The National League's not that easy, let me tell you. And, and if you're the highest earner in that league, all eyes are on you and you're not delivering, they'll find a way to get rid of you. Um, so, so yeah, he's, he's taken a bit of a bit of a risk. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have done it. No, yeah, not, not in a month of Sundays there. He he could have got better. He could, yeah, even a low-end championship side, he, he might have been on their radar. I'm saying 100% he would have been on everyone's potential transfer list in League One and probably in the bottom half of the championship. Everyone would have earmarked that as a potential signing considering he was a free transfer. And I think... I completely agree with the guys, but to add a little bit of balance, I think you can probably get sucked in a little bit by the project that you're being sold. And if Wrexham have got these, you know, plans to be a championship club in five years' time, then uh, I'm, I'm sure they've got the back in. And there's something attractive about that, as there was Salford maybe a couple of years ago when Rooney made that really controversial move, if you remember, I think from Aberdeen at the time, dropped down to play for them for, for, for stacks of money and got, Loads of abuse. Um, the other thing, I suppose, is Paul Mullins from the uh, northwest, for, from from Liverpool, I believe. So he'd be back with his family, with his, uh, the opposite end of the country. So that does come into account. But he could have been a championship player, I think, this season or certainly next if he'd have gone to a, a top club challenging. In terms of the other promoted teams, uh, Joby, I'm, I'm quite surprised to see Cheltenham amongst the favourites for the drop. We've been big fans of what Michael Duff's been doing there. It's a step up, but but they've got the continuity of, of him still being in charge. Do you think that they can make a good go of it in League One? Yeah, I think they can certainly go and hold their own. And I think now if you offer them survival, full stop, they'd, they'd snap your hands off um, with a chance to build. Again, very low budget. They were one of the lowest in, in League Two. Uh, you made a point of telling me that when we were covering the, the League Two playoffs and did a fantastic job there. It's all based on togetherness, hard work, a real team ethos and, and work ethic. And certainly in terms of recruitment, that was massive for him over the summer. He wanted the right types, the right personalities, didn't want people just coming in for a payday, potentially not that they're offering you know, massive salaries there, but he, he really felt that character was important to come in and it can take you a long way, particularly at this level. They'll have that bounce, of course, from from going up as champions. And I certainly feel they can go and, and hold their own. They're going to be really tough to play against. Um, and I can't see anyone having an easy game against them. So I think they're going to be all right. Looks tough for Morecambe, though, Sam, doesn't it? Derek Adams did, did a great job, not to everybody's taste in terms of the style of football, but certainly effective. Stephen Robinson's taken over, having come south from Motherwell. But they've lost our mate Carlos Mendes Gomez as well. So it, it feels like it might be a long season for them in, in League One. 
Yeah, sim- similarities to maybe Northampton when they went up and we were kind of scratching our heads when they lost their their better players, you know, a lot of the players from the spine of that team and it's going to be a, a rebuild for Robinson, who is my captain at, at Luton. So um played with him for, for three years. Brilliant character, great teammate, uh, one that you would have pointed out in the dressing room and said he will be a manager. <laughs> He's probably after this manager's job <laughs> uh, when I was in the dressing room with him because he was um, he knew everything that was going on at the club. He, you could go to him with all manner of issues, uh, ran the dressing room. So got a lot of respect for him. And after not working out Oldham, I, I really hope it goes goes well. But in terms of what he's had to do, I think he's made some really good signings. Unfortunately, Jonathan Abika is going to be missing. I think he's out for the season now. Unfortunately, he's just been plagued by injury. Abika is a brilliant striker at, at that level when he's fit. Ayunga from Bristol Rovers, for, for my money, was one of their best players last year when he was on the pitch. Maybe hasn't got the goals yet to go along with his undoubted uh, potential that that he's shown. So I think he could be a good sign. And Wes McDonald, another forward player from from Walsall, is capable of the spectacular. So they've they've bought some good offensive players, but I just think with the players that they've lost, Songo in particular, who's reunited with um, Derek Adams at, at, at Bradford, I think he was pivotal for them in defensive midfield position. It'll be a scrap, but I'm going to back my my mate to maybe keep them up. Adrian, anyone else you think might be in for for a season of struggle in League One? Uh, I'm looking maybe at AFC Wimbledon, who have done ever so well, haven't they, to to survive. They've been in trouble in various seasons and and, and managed to pull out the bag. Mark Robinson's obviously changed the style of the play. Better to to watch now. They're more creative maybe than they used to be. And they've got some good young players coming through, but they've just lost Joe Piggott. Joe Piggott was their main man, wasn't he, up top? Ryan Longman as well had a pretty good season on loan. He's he's not there anymore either. So I think if Wimbledon can survive, they've done done really well. Uh, let's get some predictions for League One then, please. Joby, we'll start with you. Who's going to be champions? I'm going to go for Ipswich. I just think they've got uh, some real good firepower. Manager who's had success at this level. I fancy them to win it. Nice. I've gone with Ipswich too. How about you, Sam? Yeah, that's a, a, a treble. I could give you one of eleven that I've scribbled <laughs> down here, but I'm going to go uh, going to go to Tractor Boys purely on the Paul Cook factor. Yes, good players, but I think they got the best manager to try and mould them into a cohesive side. Will it be a full house from Clark? Not quite, not quite. I've, I'm going a bit rogue here. Sam said now or never for Lincoln City. I'm going to go with Lincoln City on the basis that they had a really solid team. For, for periods of last season, they were they were absolutely outstanding. Um, yes, they've lost some good low knees, but I, I back Appleton to make the right choices on bringing the replacements in. And yeah, I, I think that that out of the other teams like Ipswich and, and various other challengers, they're sort of developing something new. Lincoln are, are settled in what they're doing. And over the course of the season, I'm, I'm hoping that might, that might give them more consistency. So Lincoln for me. Tell you what, for a man who had a reputation as a hedger last season, to go Bournemouth a hedger? Yeah. Is, a hedger. Extraordinary stuff. Outrageous. Uh, yeah, you did. Uh, right, so that's the champions. Two other teams will be promoted. Who are they going to be, Adrian? I've got Ipswich as, as, as number two. So, so not that rogue. Um, you, you can't argue with the quality of the signings. And, and we all rate Paul Cook. I think he's, he's top class and I think he will get it right. Um, my third to come up 
probably via the playoffs is Charlton. Sam's outlined it. Um, Nigel Atkins, big fan, and, and he was he looks like he's building something really good at the Valley. So yeah, Lincoln Ipswich and Charlton for me. JB, who's going to be joining uh, Ipswich in the Championship in 2022? I'm going to go for Rotherham. I've been seduced by their promotion glory previously at this level. So uh, I think that's going to be a big factor for them this year. And I think it's a tough one. As I say, it could be anybody. But I'm going to go for Wickham. I know Gareth Ainsworth well. And um, if obviously he's still there because he's always linked with clubs left, right and centre. I think they've recruited well. Uh, Sully Kaikai is another one who's come in, was fantastic for Blackpool last year. So again, I, I expect them to be right up there this year. Sam, who else is going up for you? Yeah, I'm going to go for Rotherham as well. I just think they'll be really hard to score against. Again, so robust, set pieces. Yeah, and the continuity really with Paul Warney. has got those two promotions on his CV relatively recently um, so I've kind of gone for it's not a gamble but it's a new collection of players at Ipswich that Paul Cook's got and Paul Warren's got the tried and tested lot and then the two I'd mention are, are, are Portsmouth I think Danny Cowley's playing it really down you know they've had a really disrupted pre-season but I just think you know having you know shown shoots of recovery when they went in last season this could be a, a season where they Upset the odds a little bit. Probably expecting them to build, but I think they could hit the ground running. And the other ones were Wigan. Again, a new squad, some brilliant players that are going to go close. But if you're pushing me, um, after all that, I'm going to say Charlton. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's yeah. a hedger, Matt. That is a hedger. Come on. Um, no, I just thought Portsmouth and um, Wigan definitely worth a mention in the automatic yeah. shake-up. But I'm going to go for Charlton probably, you know, via the playoffs uh, would be my my guess all right I went Sunderland and Wigan for those promoted sides lastly then relegation my four MK Don's crew Morecambe and Wimbledon uh, JB who are you picking oh unfortunately I've got to go for Cambridge uh, Morecambe certainly um, oh, I don't know who else really it's a bit of a top. I think Fleetwood, Fleetwood might be in a bit of trouble this year got to be honest um, and then one more to throw in the mix. I'll go AFC Wimbledon, unfortunately. They always seem to just make it. Maybe this year's one too far for them. First full season at Plough Lane with supporters. Maybe that'll work in their favour. Adrian, you, you picking anybody different? Uh, one team different, yeah. I've got Morecambe, AFC Wimbledon, Cambridge. No surprises there, potentially. But Plymouth, I worry a little bit for Plymouth. They they, they ended the season really badly, didn't they? They they they, they plummeted quite badly, and I, I rate Ryan Low, um, but I don't know. I, I don't think they've had enough of a sort of revamp this summer to make me think they're going to be that that good. So uh, yeah, Plymouth may struggle. Morecambe, the common denominator. It seems it seems Sam. Have you picked them as well? Uh, no, I haven't. No, I've gone for uh, Cambridge. Fleetwood um, and AFC Wimbledon and Crew and my little curveball on the end, just because we've, I suppose we've absolutely loved watching some of their younger players flourish in the last few years, and unfortunately for the Crew supporters, they've they've lost uh, NG and and Pickering and and Wintel as well recently. So I think a, a slightly different squad uh, that can have to try and maintain the standards. It might just be too competitive league one for them this season. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. All right, well, that's League One chewed over. We'll look ahead to League Two next. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show and you could read pieces from the likes of Ryan Conway, Nancy Frostick, Steve Maidley and many, many more writers. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. Looks like we could be in for a tight tussle of top tier four this time round. Plenty of contenders hoping to make the step up to League One. Here's how the bookies, specifically Paddy Power, see it. Favourites for promotion are Salford at 6-4, then Bristol Rovers at 5-2, and Mansfield at 11-4. Joby, in in terms of Salford, they need a bit of stability, don't they? Is Gary Bowie going to last the season? Once again, they've been busy in the transfer market, but if you swap managers every five minutes, it's it's difficult to to get any kind of continuity and, and therefore success. Yeah, that's clearly been the biggest issue at Salford that we played them Last game of the season, I had a good chat with, with Gary, actually. He was fantastic, just offering some words of advice from a senior manager to a younger one. And we had a little chat about things there. And, you know, there has been difficulties in terms of the ownership and, and the, the pressures around that and, and I suppose the demands. But I think he's certainly a manager who knows what he's going into with his eyes fully, fully open. He knows the challenges and, you know, he can certainly put a, a team together. Again, it's probably the off-the-field issues more than the on that is going to be the real factor in whether they can achieve it. It seems as though if they're not in the top two, they're just not doing well enough for, for anybody at the football club. And over a long, hard season, that can eat at you. And um, I certainly feel that I wouldn't have them in, in in the top two, three teams just because of that pressure. I don't know if at the moment is a little bit too much on the football club. Sam, do the owners get away with it a bit in terms of not getting much stick because of their names and, and reputations? Because you, you take those out of it and look at the way they, they've run the club in the last couple of years and there's plenty to criticise. No, I think people are quite quick to point the finger towards Gary Neville now and he's uh, talking on top-level managers or stuff going on in the higher echelons in the in the game considering the way that he's uh, parted company with some managers. I certainly see a lot of people trying to dig him out on on social media it's tough to have a go at him because he's uh probably the one that we look at as, as pundits to aspire to get to those type of standards because he's, he's brilliant Gary Neville but it left a bit of a sour taste last season in parting with Richie Wellens and you know obviously I watched Richie at close quarters at, at Swindon saw him on occasions at Salford, and I thought he was building something, you know, and they should have done their due diligence to to recognise that Richie Wellens um, would have stuck to his principles. He's not going to rip it all up and start lumping the ball towards the centre forward if um, 
things were looking a little bit desperate as they were towards the tail end of last season. So they got that one wrong in, in my mind, but I'm quite intrigued about their their signings this summer. Uh, they look like they've gone for guys that know League One and League Two and have really prospered at that level rather than maybe trying to seduce players from the Championship like Shepard. Uh, McElhaney should take that burden off Henderson. was brilliant for Oldham last year. Uh, and Matty Lund was excellent at Rochdale as well when I've seen him in the flesh, can play a variety of positions. So, no, I'm quite I'm quite hot on their, on their prospects this year if they can stick with the manager. Bristol Rovers, uh, a summer dominated by off-field matters. Joey Barton's been charged with allegedly assaulting his wife. The club put out an extremely cack-handed and insensitive statement for which the chairman has since apologised. Uh, only so much we, we can say on that, lest our vast legal team get antsy. But uh, <laughs> what we can say, Clark, is it's not the ideal way to prepare for a season. So, so slightly surprising, therefore, to see them second favourites to go up. Yeah, not great prep, is it? Um <sighs> He's got two court cases, hasn't he? There's still the one, I think, that's, that's ongoing with the Daniel Stendhal incident. So, yeah, in, in the background, that that is a distraction that Bristol Rovers can do without. Joey Barton promised big changes and he, he's delivered that, hasn't he, in the, in the market? He's signed some some good names. I think Aaron Collins stands out as someone that could could do a really good job for them. Yeah, lot, lots of recognisable players have come in. It's going to be a brand new team. And, and, and brand new teams tend to take a little bit of a while to settle. So, yeah, I think I think they'll they, their quality suggests that they'll be up there in and around the playoff mix. But given the off the field distractions and the wholesale changes, I wouldn't have them as automatics uh, personally. Um, even though they're a big club, um, it just just seems very. I don't know, antagonistic behind the scenes. It doesn't seem like they're all in it together at Bristol Rovers. Um, maybe I'll be proved wrong on that. Bit more harmony, Joby, around Mansfield Town, it seems. First full season under Nigel Clough, made a good impact when he came last term. He's been backed again, including uh, with somebody who you know pretty well, Danny Johnson, 17 league goals for Orient last season. What's he going to add to uh, the Stags' attack? Well, as you say, I think... No, goals clearly is something that he's he's going to be recognised for. He had a good return last year, particularly early part of the season. He did struggle a little bit in the second half of the season. I think he needs to be very aware that other clubs are going to start recognising what his strengths are, which are running in behind. He, you know, he's very, very aggressive. He, he works very, very hard. But I must say his conversion rate was absolutely fantastic last season and there were times maybe where we didn't create enough clear-cut opportunities, but certainly ones that came his way, he stuck them away. And I think that's something, you know, certainly that the manager will have looked at before deciding to sign him. And maybe it's the missing piece for Mansfield. They haven't really had that out-and-out goal scorer. They've tried different uh, personnel over the time. Obviously, Nicky Maynard went in and didn't quite do it. And I think, um, you know, DJ certainly will be will be a big goal threat. For me, again, no, I just didn't see enough when we played against them for me to, to have them in that automatic reckoning. I think they'll be sort of in and around the playoff spots for me. Other contenders, Sam, likes of Bradford, Forest Green, Exeter, Newport, Tranmere, anybody particular, particularly from that lot, catch your eye as, as teams who could trouble the automatic places? Yeah, my, my other two for automatic potentially would be uh, Exeter and definitely Bradford, I think in, in, in my mind that I've got them as as champions, as we uh, record, just think a manager who's been promoted what twice now out of this division, cherry picked from from Morecambe, the story possibly of the EFL last year 
incredible turnaround at that club and I just think some really sensible recruitment as well he'll like a a, a target man Cook should be able to fill that that position no problem at all and and taking the two guys from Scunthorpe United every time we talk about Scunthorpe last season it's about Issa and, and Gilead the two wide players so to get those two in tandem supplying Cook looks to be sensible and and also to recruit some players that he knows well uh, Derek Adams uh, Songo that I spoke of already today um, will give them a bit of steel yeah I just think this could be their time with the supporters as well in there um, great place to play football um, will create a great atmosphere so yeah, I think Derek Adams with Bradford and I feel Nigel Clough at, at Mansfield as well will give it a good shot this year with um, the aforementioned signings. Ollie Hawkins as well should be a should be a revelation in League Two. Two teams in new gaffers, Clarky, Forest Green Rovers, Rob Edwards, former England under sixteen coach. People speak highly of him uh, that after Jimmy Ball got them into the playoffs and and Tranmere with a new old boss, Mickey Mellon, back and, and Tranmere always expect to be there or thereabouts. Yeah, I think both will be up there in and around the playoff picture. Uh, Forest Green have got a really good squad of players. Obviously, it's unknown, isn't it, uh, how the new manager adapts to to the team. Comes with a great reputation, Rob Edwards as a as a coach. But it's different, isn't it, in League Two when when you know you're playing for points, it, everything matters. It's it's a different ball game. So we wish him well. Um, they should certainly be up there. Tranmere for me, I've got a strong fancy for them because it was so turbulent. Last year, wasn't it? It was you know, with with the dressing room and the, and the management having a bit of a disconnect. Yet they still almost made it. They were very close to to being promoted. Yeah, they've lost a few of their regular players. I think Month has gone, hasn't he? Ride out the fullback, and and obviously Vaughan has left. But the players that have come in look decent. And and Mickey Mellon's got a great great relationship with the club. Good track record. I think he's strong enough to knock that dressing room into shape. So for me, Tranmere have got a great chance. Yeah, I, I would put them in the automatic mix. And one club, yeah, that, that, that we haven't mentioned that might be considered dark horses might might be Joby's old boys, Leighton Orient, I think, with Kenny there, Kenny Jacket, and you know a raft of potentially exciting signings. I think they can they can make a step forward. Well, let's get on to Orient then, then JB. You're perfectly placed to tell us all about it. Kenny Jacket, as as Adrian says, has, has come in for the season. What do you think the aim is this time round at Brisbane Road? Promotion, full stop. Um, you know, the owners have got a very clear uh, goal, ambitions in terms of, of where they want the club to get back to. You know, they're, they're very, very well backed uh, budget wise, and, and clearly. It's been a big summer at, at the club. You know, we had 16 players out of contract um, at the end of the season, which is a massive turnover for, for anybody. And clearly that was a big factor in appointing Kenny, someone who's been there, done it, got the T-shirt, you know, knows the league well and, and knows football very well in terms of going out and attracting those players. His real big job is, is getting those players to gel in time to start the season well. They've got some real good, young, up-and-coming players, Royal Saturio, Hector Kiprianu. Uh, to name a couple, they kept hold of Lawrence Figaro, which was massive, you know, for me, the best keeper in the league. I'm a little bit biased, obviously, having worked with him, but fantastic, not just distribution-wise, but actually as a goalkeeper, he's really matured. So, you know, that was a real big signing for them to to keep him. So for me, the, the questions are going to be how quick can he get that team playing how he wants it to play? Certainly, if they can get up and running quickly there, they should be there or thereabouts, you know. Um, but I don't I have to throw Port Vale in the mix as well. They had a fantastic run um, last year. I think Daryl Clark did a really good job there. Um, Tom Condon, for me, one of the best players in the league. 
so yeah, I'd, I'd say Orient and, and Port Vale for dark horses for the playoffs. Joby, I, I watched a lot of uh, Vigaru at, at Swindon, undoubted quality, but it felt like he was uh, quite difficult to, to control at times, um, speaking to people around the club. Has the penny dropped with him finally? Because I, I feel that he could have the potential to be anything he wants to be and, and how important was another one of my former teammates, Dean Brill, maybe in uh, keeping him on the straight and narrow in the last 12 months or so? Yeah, Sam, it's a great point. It's it's probably something that's actually come by, back to bite him a little bit this summer. You know, again, he, he was absolutely fantastic last year for us. And I certainly felt that he would go on at least to League One. You know, I spoke to some people at championship level that inquired and, and I certainly would have taken maybe as a two or a three, uh, but certainly to go in and be competitive. But yeah, he certainly matured from what I've heard a few years ago, particularly Swindon. He bounced around a lot, ended up over in Chile completely off the radar and, you know, Ross Embleton brought him back in. And I think, as you say, the penny has dropped. He's got a young family now. I think he realises he wants to kick on um, and he certainly was fantastic, um, you know, under Ross and, and for myself at the back end of the season. And, you know, for me, I can't see him at this level much longer. If he has another season anywhere near like last year and then the references start checking out a little bit more, then I think he'll, he'll go and kick on. But um, real top boy. Uh, we're chucking Newport as well while we're talking contenders. Playoff heartbreak last term. Mike Flynn sticking around for another go. feel like maybe it'll be his, his last go at getting them promoted. Uh, strugglers, though. Sam, I've got Swindon pegged as strugglers, but I don't know if they are now. What a summer it has been for them. As stormy as the British weather, you could say. If you're an athletic subscriber, you may well have read the excellent piece on how things fell apart at the county ground under Lee Power. Bit more hope for the future now, maybe, or are they are they starting too late to really have an impact in anything other than trying to beat the drop under the uh, under the new regime? I think it's difficult because you're you're looking at Premier Leagues under twenty threes really to get guys to come in on loan, hit the ground running, maybe unproven in league football, taking gambles. They, they they've taken a couple just this week. Um, Kesler from Aston Villa. Tyree Simpson from, from Ipswich looks like there's going to be a big burden on him to get the goals. The only proven League Two player really is Ben Gladwin, who obviously the Swindon fans adore because he was sensational for them in his first spell. Didn't really happen for him when he came back on loan, but they'll be delighted to see him back. But no, just real optimism uh, and openness from the new the new owner, which you would... You would expect to a degree, but I think everything he's said has just ticked all the right boxes. Um, he's been really available to meet the supporters. I think queuing up and shaking their hands when they were getting the season <laughs> tickets, walking around the pitches at the friendlies, meeting everyone, even when in the county ground hotel, which is the boozer on the way into Swindon, which I famously went in after my last appearance. It's a scary gaff. Um, so well done him for going in there. Um, not sure if he stayed for a pint. I think he pulled a few. But it's um no, I think it just everything he's saying is what you want to hear as a supporter. The proof's gonna be in the pudding, isn't it, in a year or two's time. But everyone's really infused after what they've been through the last year when, you know, the supporters would have been scared and uh, and thinking about possible administration and and looking at what happened to Barry. That's that's that can happen again. You know, it shouldn't be be able to occur, but the Swindon fans would have been worried. So they've got their their club back to a degree. Uh, and this season on the pitch, as long as they've got a team that can stay in the division, they, they will be delighted. And that's got to be the ambition. Anything more than that, 
fantastic. But I think it's a tough job for for Ben Garner and Ben Chorley, who's the new kind of director of football, to put together a, a competitive squad. But I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that they're the right guys to to get a tune out of the players on the pitch. Another team tipped to struggle, by Paddy Power at least, Barrow, 92 second favourites for the drop. But, Joby, Mark Cooper looks a pretty shrewd managerial appointment, knows this league well. Do you think the bookies have got it wrong? Yeah, I think that managerial appointment will be a real key factor for Barrow. You know, again, vastly, vastly experienced. A little bit unfortunate to lose his job at Forest Green with the position they were in. And I certainly feel that know-how and, and experience there will, will be enough to to keep Barrow in the league next year. Two other teams, Adrian, uh, who might be be down amongst the dead men. Hartlepool having just come up and having had, what, all of 50 days between the playoff final and the start of the new season to prepare gives us the chance to say the nickname Monkey Hangers, of course. And uh, Scunthorpe, who didn't win any of their last 10 games. Those two might be in for, for long season. Oh, look, Scunthorpe were very fortunate, I think, to survive last season. If the season had gone on, uh, another... Three or four weeks, I think. I think South End and Grimsby could have overhauled them, really. So, so they've got their work cut out, as, as Sam's mentioned. They've lost their two wide players, Isa and, and Gilead. Yeah, Neil Cox didn't convince, did he? He don't want to be too brutal on these guys, but but he, he didn't really show enough during the course of that season to suggest that he's the right guy to sort of bring about a big upturn. And I think off the pitch, you know, that there's not a lot of being, of ambition being shown. So no, I think Scunthorpe are worthy sort of to be among the favourites for the drop. As for Hartlepool, yeah, the prep time's bad, isn't it? And and they also lost, I believe, their two main goal scorers from last season, Armstrong and Oates. Oates has it rocked up at Mansfield, hasn't he? And that's a potentially exciting signing. So, yes, I, f- I feel that Hartlepool and Scunthorpe will be in for, for tough campaigns. Well, one team who can't wait for the season to kick off is Sutton United, the South London side, about to embark on their first ever season in the EFL. Earlier, producer Abby caught up with boss Matt Gray to see how preparations for the new campaign are going. You finished up your pre-season last week with a win against Barnet. So how happy are you with the sort of preparations um, ahead of the new campaign? Yes, come around, come around very quickly. A very short off-season period and, and a hell of a lot to do, both on and off the pitch at the football club. But yeah, pleased to, to get pre-season out of the way with and I'm, I'm looking forward to the season starting on Saturday. There's been a hell of a lot of changes and, you know, I feel we're we're virtually there and we're ready to go. You are, and you're first up to uh, Forest Green Rovers. How big a moment will it be uh, for the club when you when you set foot on on the new lawn for the first time? It'll be a, a, such a proud moment for everyone connected to the club and, and all the work that's gone on uh, since we won promotion uh, to, to finally be there and, and compete and play our first game in the Football League. Um, 123 year history and, and to be the, the manager I'm very proud of you know taking the club there and, and uh, managing in that first game and I'm sure everyone connected to the club is really looking forward to it Is there another ground around League 2 that you're also sort of really looking forward to uh, to going to that you sort of when you look through the, the, the fixture list you're like yes that's the one that uh, I've really got my eye on Yeah I've, I've, unfortunately I've, I've been assistant manager at a couple of clubs in League 2 so I've been to all the grounds and experienced those before so I, I sort of know what's coming and you know, you highlight probably the three ex-Premier League clubs in there at the Oldham, Swindon and Bradford City. Certainly a great ground and a great atmosphere to go to. But I'm sure like Bristol Rovers is a great game for us away on Boxing Day. Will be um, It was always a good atmosphere there as well. So, you know, there's many grounds and and um, fans that we're, we're going to come across and we're, we're looking forward to the experience and looking forward to getting some results at these places as well. 
you mentioned the fans. Obviously, you you won promotion to this league without any fans at Gander Green Lane. How different is it going to be? Not only are you in the football league for the first time, but then you're going to get fans there, for, and for a lot of the players, that will sort of be a bit, maybe a bit of a shock to the system, having all these sudden roar around. Uh, have you been able to prepare the, uh, some of the players who haven't experienced that before you uh, in a way? Um, it's, it's, it's harder to pre- um, to prepare them. Um, how that's going to um, benefit or hinder us, we, we, we yet to we yet to know. I, I think it, it can change many ways. It can even change and swing in a game. Um, you can go to some of these big grounds with big crowds and they can be right behind their team with the noise and the expectation and, and we could find ourselves backs against the wall in periods of the game. On the flip side, if we can frustrate the crowd and the opposition and, and sometimes the fans can turn on the home team and we could maybe use that to our advantage and the, the pressure might suddenly be on the home team to, to have to come out and beat us and we might try and uh, capitalise on that. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's certainly strange um, not playing at the start of last season without fans. In a strange way, we've sort of got used to not not having supporters in the stadium, but we're, we're really pleased that they're back in. And and, and as I said, I, already I think we're taking quite a few to our first two games of the ticket sales for the away end at Forest Green on Saturday in Cardiff and the League Cup is going well since they came out yesterday. So and hopefully we'll be taking many supporters on the road and, and they'll enjoy the, the occasions as well. Absolutely, they will. Harrogate and Barrow obviously were the promoted teams last season and they both stayed up. Um, how much inspiration are you taking from from what you saw last season in League 2 there? Yeah, yeah you certainly, certainly look at those two clubs who have come up and managed to do OK uh, and, and hold their own at this level and we just hopefully we can do the same. We're looking to build on the success we had last season and try and hit the ground running, get off to a good start. And, and first and foremost just to make sure we secure that that uh, that football league status come at the end of the season. If we can get to that, a bit of a cliche, but 50 points as quick as we can. And then you never know, the next target you can look up and see how far away we may be off the playoffs. And, and if anything's possible with us, just like we proved last year. Great. Of Sutton United there. Uh, let's get some predictions on League Two then. Joby, who's going to win it? I've got to go with Bradford. Uh, I just think they've recruited very, very well. Um, of course, Derek Adams first and foremost, but certainly from a player's point of view, they've gone out again, got good, good League Two players. And I think that's going to be really, really important for them. So certainly to win for me, Bradford. Uh, I went for Bradford as well. How about you, Sam? Yeah, Bradford for me as well. Adrian? Clean sweep. Yeah, Bradford City <laughs> yeah, to win the title. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to look past them. Apologies, Bradford supporters. We've just cursed you. Uh, we need three more promoted sides. Who are they going to be, JB? I'm going to go for Salford. However they do it, I think they'll have enough this year if they stick with Gary Bowyer long enough. I think he's certainly got enough experience to, to get them over the line. I'm going to throw Exeter in the mix. I think Matt Taylor's done a really good job there. Of course, gone close on a couple of occasions. A little bit of a crossroads in terms of losing a few senior members of that squad Jake Taylor one in particular the captain but I think uh, they've recruited well and I fancy them to to get there Adrian who are you going for I've got um Salford definitely look they're so ruthless they're so ambitious I think it'll be third time lucky and I think McElhenney and Lund will will give them the goals that they maybe lacked last season on top of what they've already got and they, they've got a great defense Salford so yeah, Salford, Tranmere, I've bigged them up already. So so I think those three are my automatics um, when you include Bradford. And and the playoff winners, I'm, I'm going for Mansfield. I think Nigel Clough 
is is a great manager and he's brought in some excellent talent this summer and I think that they they might finally sort of play to expectations. There've been massive disappointments the last couple of years given the money they've thrown at it. This time around I, I fancy them. Yeah, I've got the Stags going up as as one of the other three promoted sides with Newport and Tranmere. Sam, can you give me any advance on those three? I'm going to go for Bradford, uh, Mansfield, uh, Salford, and then I will go for Exeter City, my former club, to break their recent Wembley hoodoo. Who had a playoff, so I'm being very, very precise with these predictions, aren't I? (laughs) We appreciate it. Uh, What about relegation? Joby, who's going down? Oh, this is a horrible question, this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Scunthorpe. I just think, you know, obviously we mentioned uh, how many good players that they've lost, some real good experience. You know, Jordan Clark, Van Veen, Jem Carajan's gone out the door. So I think that experience at this level was was massive in them just about staying up. I don't think they're going to have enough this year. I think the two promoted teams will be okay, just. I'm going to throw Crawley and I just think there's a lot going on behind the scenes there and um, I think it could be a difficult year for them. I've gone Scunthorpe and Sutton, Clarkie. How about you? Yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah, for for the Irons. Yeah, Scunthorpe. Probably. Well, yeah, I'm predicting they're going to go down. I'm going to chuck in a team we haven't mentioned yet, Oldham Athletic, because even though they've got a good manager, you know, really rate Keith Curl. Do, does anyone really believe that this ownership will stick with him if if they're not, you know, in the top half early on in the season? I can see him, unfortunately maybe making way and there could be multiple changes there. That ownership is among the worst in League Two and I think it could go horribly wrong. And that we've seen before, if if it's not right behind the scenes, off the pitch in League Two, it can have a easily have a direct influence on results. So yeah, with the fact that they've lost McElhenney and a few others and it's a bit of a mess behind the scenes, Oldham to join Scunthorpe. Uh, Sam, you'll be hoping that's not the case. Oldham, place where you spent some time on loan, of course. Who have you picked to go down? I've picked Hartlepool and Scunthorpe, uh, to no surprise to, to anyone. But I'll throw in another team that I think may be looking over their shoulders. Oldham's near neighbours, Rochdale. I think a rookie manager didn't feel that the atmosphere was particularly good last year, although they got quite a lot of plaudits, particularly from this show, for the amount of goals they were scoring and letting in. Um, to some degree <laughs> but lost a number of their top players Humphreys I think is a great pick up for, for Wigan Lund we've spoken about brought in just two youthful centre-halves from, from Premier League clubs well from Sheffield United and, and Manchester United sorry and they were woefully short I thought defensively last year so whether these two young men are going to be able to fill that void I'm not sure. And and there's still speculation to this day, really, as to whether Rathbone and Kierhan may move on. So I just think it's a wafer-thin squad, a little bit in decline, but should probably just have enough to remain in division. Hey, JB, before we let you go, what, what are your plans for this season? I'm sure we'll see you on Sky's EFL coverage again, but are you looking to, to get back into the management game or, or was that brief spell in, enough to convince you that you'd like to keep <laughs> hold of the uh, the still dark hairs that you've got? <laughs> well, I haven't got many dark hairs left, I've got to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> no, it was a real uh, brilliant experience, one that I enjoyed fully. Um, I had planned before getting the opportunity to have a little step away from the day-to-day pressures and, and demands of, of football and, and certainly that's going to be the case so I'm going to really crack on with some stuff off the pitch as you say you know I've been brilliant working with with Sky and really just get my my teeth into the media side of things um you know enjoy the time away from 
again those pressures and, and things that can come with it and then see where we go but no it, it definitely didn't do enough to to scare me off forever um we'll just call it maybe a short break and, and see where we go with it all well listen many thanks for joining us uh, today i'm sure we'll speak to you again as the season rolls on uh thanks to to clarky and to sam they're gonna say goodbye now listener you need to stick around because next is miller time Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football League show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at The Totally Show on Twitter. Right, just before we end the show today, this is an especially big week for the Totally family as we release our very first yearbook. And the brains behind it all joins us now, Nick Miller of Nottingham Forest Supporting Fame. And Nick, big day for you Thursday with the yearbook hitting shelves. Elevator pitch me. What is it? Why should people buy it? Well, it's uh, a comprehensive account and I'm going to say the definitive account of a very odd year in football when obviously none of us or most of us couldn't get to grounds and various kind of more nefarious and venal aspects of the game tried to take it over to suit their own well nefarious means so this book uh, hopefully serves as a sort of document of that and uh, looking at where the game is in in a particular moment of time plus it looks absolutely beautiful, and um, as you know, we've known from the last year or so, we've been staring over people's shoulders in Zoom calls and so on, and judging their bookcases. Let me tell you, this book will look absolutely delightful on yours. <laughs> Ding! That's the sound of the elevator reaching its floor after a successful pitch. Uh, lots of great long reads about the season throughout the book. Which ones stand out to you? Uh, well, Daniel Story has written about um, it's kind of the uh, sort of state of the game piece which kind of, you know, uh, looks at where things are after, you know, hopefully coming out of COVID and what the last year has sort of done to our sort of collective feeling about football and whether it has um, alienated us from the game or uh, actually brought brought us closer to it. Appropriately enough, the Football League content is is excellent as well. Our very own Adrian Clark has uh, written about Leagues 1 and 2, what happened in those divisions over the years, and uh, I've written a few things about the Championship myself. Yeah, I I try to keep the Forest content relatively brief because that would have just made me, and I suspect you, Matt, very sad. But yeah, there's there's plenty more in the book. There's expertise from the Athletics club correspondence there is uh, stuff from our uh, lovely Euro boys Rafa Honigstein James Horncastle Julian Laurent and uh, Alvaro Romeo uh, the brilliant Katie Wyatt has written about the uh, WSL and also a, a really excellent profile of Emma Hayes and oh there's just loads loads more there's some lovely kind of graphs and stats and various other geeky things in there as well that will uh, 
something for everyone. You are going to have a sore back once you pick up all those big names off the floor. Um, finally then, where can people get their mitts on this book? There's an audio book too, right? We, we recorded a podcast specifically for that. There is an audio book, yes. It, it features it's not, not everything that's uh, in the book, but it's, it's got a lot of the kind of key parts of the book in, in the audio book and, and included in that are a couple of kind of bonus podcast-esque uh, features. There is one of the uh, Totally Football Show with James Richardson, uh, Daniel Story, Tom Williams and Duncan Alexander. And of course, as you say, there is a Football League uh, version of that with uh, you, Adrian Clark, uh, Sam Parkin and Michelle Owen that we recorded. And yeah, that will be out alongside the uh, physical copy of the book. It's out on, uh, as you say, physical copy, Kindle, audiobook, you can get it wherever you get your, uh, buy your books from. It is available from the big internet bookshop. So you, if, if you like, you can fund another trip nearly into space for, for <laughs> the silly man, or you can buy it from uh, any sort of independent booksellers that you might favour as well. Who probably pay a proportionate amount of tax on their income. Uh, Nick, thank you so much. We'll be speaking to you again throughout the season, I'm sure. Lovely stuff. Thank you, Matt. You can read more about the Football League over at The Athletic. And if you've not already got involved, then you can get a third offer subscription as you're a listener to the Totally Football League show. Head to theathletic.com slash league show or the show notes to find a link. Sam, Adrian and myself will be back with you on Monday to review the first round of games in the EFL. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic. <laughs>